Hi, listener. Hello. Why, why whispering? Um, I don't know. I, I think because once again, we're crowded around one mic. I feel like <laughs> shouting is just going to blast you with breath. Maybe, yeah. But so I'm yeah. kind of going to, hello. <laughs> we're doing another one of those uh, rare episodes of Hula La where we're actually doing it in person, which, which does mean crowding around one microphone. Another intimate episode, but these do tend to be a bit more fun. Alistair, how are you? I'm good. I'm good, thank you. I'm very well. I had a lovely long weekend mm-hmm. for the Cory Nash. Cory Bob, wait, what did we settle on? Was it Cory Bobs or Cory Nash? I like the Cory Bobs, um, but no, I think for me it's the Cory Nash. It's the natural. I quite like Cory Bobs, me. Baby You're on your, on your Cory Bobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, lovely, lovely Cory Bob. I thought the coronation was today, Monday. Yeah, right up until a few days ago, you were saying to me, you were like, oh yeah, no, don't go in Central on Monday. It's going to be busy. And I was like, why? <laughs> no, it wouldn't be. <laughs> I thought the coronation was today. And then I was on the way to Manchester on Saturday and mm. said to my boyfriend, like, we should do something on the day of the coronation. And he's like, that's today. <laughs> and you were like, oh. <laughs> oh. Well, you did do something. I mean, you went to Man... Not for, not for <laughs> the left coronation. London was <laughs> what I did for the coronation. <laughs> That's very patriotic. Very patriotic behaviour. Um, but no, I had a nice uh, bank holiday weekend too. I, I, find, I find myself on bank holiday weekends never doing anything during the day and just like making plans in the evenings, so, like going for drinks or dinners. That's or, nice. Yeah, so it was nice chill days for me. My social batteries run out very quick, as you know. Mm. So I had to cancel kind of doing anything on Friday in preparation for being social on Saturday, mm-hmm. which is really rude, isn't it? It's not no. very like... What well, would you rather that or then be with people on Saturday and not be It's there? true. It's true. I really have to conserve resources. We love you. This is a safe yeah. space. And um, we've watched a great episode of Doc 2 and we're going to talk about it. We did. We watched a great episode of Doc 2 this afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a lovely treat again. Um, and we had to do this partly because our last episode was not very democratic <laughs> after we <laughs> offered a vote on what episode we'd do next. And... We thought partners in crime had won that vote. Yeah, we were, we put out we put our feelers out on Twitter and we were saying uh, we wanted to do a series opener and I think we put out the Eleventh Hour, New Earth, Smith and Jones, and Partners in Crime. And by the time that we were recording it, which was like two or three hours into the poll, Partners in Crime was winning, and we were like, "Well, we need to record and we need to watch the episode, so we'll do Partners in Crime." And then the next day, when the poll had actually finished, Eleventh Hour had taken it by quite a bit. It had, yeah. So we felt like it, it was a just time to be doing it. I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, what I've realised as well is funny. I feel like, I feel like we might be some in our little pocket of the Doctor Who Twitterverse. Mm. I think we're some of the older people in there. Because I, um, I see people in there who I think a lot of them think of the eleventh hour actually as their as their introduction to Doctor Who and not Rose. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it's weird. I was I've said this before in the podcast. And I'll say it again. I feel like there's now classic Who, new Who, and like new new Who. So I think arguably new 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 Who on that new 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 Who. Um, so we have all the viewers of uh, classic Who, and we as as you know, dear listener, are very much like dipping our toes into the waters. I still have my ITVX subscription. I'm happily watching yeah. from Tom Baker at the moment. Yeah. Um, but I think you're right. I think there's a lot of people who joined either with Matt Smith or with Jodie. Because I, I think certain Doctors aren't great jumping in points. I don't think David Tennant's a good jumping in point because it very much carries on the story of Nine. I don't think that the Twelfth Doctor's a good jumping in point because it's yeah. carrying on the story of Eleven. Whereas I think Nine, Eleven, Thirteen, and I'm assuming Fourteen will all be good jumping in points for people to watch. And what did you think of this episode overall? We'll, we'll dive into it all with a bit of context in a moment, but did, like um, initial thoughts? Overall, I, I thought it was good. It's a it's a strong episode for me. It it doesn't it doesn't slap for me. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. It's mm. like I watch it and I'm like, nice. I respect it. Good. 
I think it's aged better for me in that I was very much a David Tennant kid. Mm. And when I was watching, I was like, who's this new man on my TV? And I, I just actively, I think, didn't like it in protest of the fact that David Tennant wasn't it I anymore. certainly didn't dislike it. I think that for me, everyone in this grew into it so much more that I really enjoyed mm. stuff they were doing later. I think Karen Gillan is more confident later. I think Matt Smith's really sussed out his characterization later. I think the story is good, but it's dense. Yeah. And a bit Sherlocky, where it needed to be distinct. So yeah, it's it's okay. It's a good one. Yeah, I, I definitely think it's it's grown on me. I mean, we'll we'll dive into our thoughts in a moment, but uh, would you like a little bit more context for the episode? Ooh. So The 11th Hour was the first episode of Series 5, airing on the 3rd of April 2010, which was also Matt Smith's premiere episode. It was directed by Adam Smith, who also directed The Time of Angels and Flesh and Stone, which I know they started filming Series 5 with the time of angels we were talking about this just before we started recording often when there's a new doctor their first story that they will film isn't the first episode of the series and i think it is that if there are any kinks that they need to work out starting a new production with a new team they don't want that to be too obvious in the first episode mm -hmm. so i think they often go like i think what was it with chris Ferguson? they actually did aliens of london first mm -hmm. so they they don't want the first episode to be too like novice -y. Uh, but yeah, the director was uh, Adam Smith and it was written by Stephen Moffat. We had 10.8 million viewers, which is a hefty number for a kind of a soft reboot uh, and an IMDb score of 8.7 out of 10. That's very strong. So everyone ignored everything I said because I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm clearly dragging that down. Yeah, you're the, you're the one person who's stopping it from being a, an 8.8. 8.8. 8.8. Sorry. Alistair, would you like to give a little episode summary for those who might not have watched the episode recently? Okay. The TARDIS crashes into a new era as we join the 11th Doctor on his first adventure. Fresh from his regeneration, he meets Amelia Pond, a young Scottish girl looking for someone to help her with the crack in her wall. The Doctor discovers the crack is hiding in interdimensional jail, housing Prisoner Zero, who has escaped. Before he can look any further into this, though, he has to take the TARDIS 10 minutes into the future to stop it from exploding, and then realises he was in fact gone for 12 years. He soon meets adult Amelia, now going by Amy Pond, and they find the shape-shifting Prisoner Zero on the run from the Atraxi, who are threatening to incinerate the human residents if he doesn't give himself up, the human residents being Earth. With the help of Rory the nurse, they realise that Zero is taking the form of coma patients in the local hospital, and the gang head there to try and stop him before the world gets destroyed. To stop the Atraxi from finding him, Prisoner Zero takes the form of the only other memory they had access to, Amy Pond. However, they're tricked into showing themselves, as the other image in Amy's head is Prisoner Zero. He's located and taken by the Atraxi, but not before warning the Doctor that silence will fall. The Doctor scares off the Atraxi for good and takes a trip in his new TARDIS, offering Amy Pond the trip of a lifetime. I definitely feel like I like this episode more looking back on it because i kind of look at it a bit more objectively you were such a hater at the time i really was i really i was you just were an angry little boy stomping your feet and saying no no this I is not to be different this isn't my favorite anymore i like it before hey i was exactly the same with chris falcus and when he left i said who's this new man on my screen when then they left i was like who's this new man matt smith who's he who's this 26 year old on my screen we were talking about this when we watched the episode everyone is so young there's an overhead shot of the dr amy and rory and it just looks like a gang of like students <laughs> yeah it, it that's it they're all looking up and i said like they look like they are all 22 years old yeah and you know what? they're not far off they're not far off i think yeah karen gillen would have been 22 and i think matt smith was 26 when they started filming that's, yeah they're that's children that's crazy that's younger i have now just turned 28 
Oh you're... shit! Yeah, I'm 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 younger than you. I'm so sorry. I'm 25. Oh, you just look little baby. You're just a little baby. Little baby. So I still have time. I could be the doctor. Everyone else, Sh- Shooty's younger. Everyone else's like shocking moment recently it was like, oh my god, Millie Gibson's younger than me, playing a companion, and I'm like, Matt Smith was 26, is younger than me, playing a doctor now. Mm-hmm. That's quite disgusting to me. I wonder, how old Shooty got? Well, he's early 20s, right? He's he'll be younger again. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Let me check Shooty's age. <laughs> 30 30 years old I would never have guessed he was 30 Yeah He's looking fine He's looking great for 30 I guess maybe also he's just been playing a student for the last four seasons Yeah, how shocking That's crazy So Matt Smith was younger than Shooty was when he was playing He's still playing a student at at 30 years old Yeah Wow He must be looking good for his age Good for him Did anyone out here watch when Series 5 was coming out in 2010 That teaser trailer I'm going to play the audience it's so good we we watched it just after watching the episode it was that one where the doctor and amy are lying in a field that then like explodes into the time vortex and there's all the different monsters in bubbles Mm. and um i just thought it was so good they don't do it for every series but i do love when doctor does like an original teaser trailer that is exclusively recorded for the trailer yeah i think it was so good it was nice what's funny about that trailer is it suggests that the silurians are the big bad of the series and Mm. they're not they kind of peak come and go in their is it a two-parter yeah it's, a two, it's like seven and eight i think or something like that yeah, yeah yeah but they are really good and they were also the big new returning character it's a bit like how post flux the big thing they were ramping up was that the sea devils are returning tell me something you really love so you love the trailer yes i love the trailer but within this episode i really really love starting at the beginning of the episode i love amelia pond i think that that's yes. a really smart narrative to introduce you to a younger version of the companion I didn't really put two and two together and it was on Come Along podcast I heard them point this out. Dan pointed it out. This episode is a huge parallel for The Girl in the Fireplace where the Doctor sort of yes, imprints himself on a young woman and leaves sort of an image of himself in her head and then she grows older and she's kind of like fantasised about the Doctor and sort of longed to meet them again and then he meets them again as an adult and there's all this like weird sexual tension. Mm-hmm. If I had a nickel, I'd have two nickels, which isn't a lot, but it's weird that it's happened twice. <laughs> I watched The Girl in the Fireplace on Saturday on the train. Mm. Not even that. I watched it on the way. I watched it yesterday. Oh my God. So I'm qualified to speak on this. Fresh. Great episode. Um, yeah, there's, there's a real creepiness to the uh, meeting a little girl at kind of nine years old and popping back five minutes later and doing this whole... Oh my, you've grown. And I was like, <laughs> it was just a bit, you know, especially because Madame de Pompadour, for anyone who remembers that episode, uh, she she turns up, you know, when the doctor comes back and she's she's suddenly older and he's skipped forward in time. And and she's breasting boobily in a in, in a corset. And she looks, I mean, she's beautiful, Sophia Miles. Mm. She's gorgeous, she's stunning. And not far, not long before this, she had played um Lady Penelope in Thunderbirds. In the Thunderbirds movie. Who I had a bit of a crush on. Iconic. Yes. And um where am I going? <laughs> it, it's weird. it is weird. <laughs> <laughs> You just got caught on the crash Sorry, with the Sorry, what? Hold on. Um yeah, there's definitely it's weird that he went for that twice. Yeah. Uh don't I, know how I feel about it. I do really like Caitlin Blackwood's performance as Amelia Pond. And I do think that it really helps the audience because as we all know, we all loved Russell's era. We love the companions of Russell's era. And it's going to be difficult for sort of engaged viewers to be jumping into a brand new era with a new, you know, showrunner, new Doctor, new TARDIS, new companion, everything. I think this is a really clever way from the get-go to get the audience to care about the 
companion because they've already been slighted by the doctor before the doctor's even really done anything. Mm-hmm. This doctor's fresh within like the hour and he's already effectively ruined the childhood of this companion. And I think that that scene, it's quite lighthearted, it's quite funny, but it then holds emotional weight later down, which I do think storytelling wise does have a lot of beneficial like aspects to it. I think that it is a good thing overall. Some people have said, even though Doctor Who is about time travel, it doesn't always deal with the consequences of it. And here it's very interesting because it jumps right in mm. with the fact that he tries to take a five minute hop and oopsie, 12 years have passed. Womp, womp. I've done some childhood trauma. Womp, womp, womp. And I feel like he never once, not once, apologizes at all. No, he's like, oops. I didn't, re- why didn't you tell me? Like, yeah. Amelia, Amelia. Oh, where's Amelia? What happened? Where'd you go? And then like at the very end when he goes for another two years and he's like, whoops, two years. Well, do you want to come with? Like he literally never apologizes to her. We laugh so much as well. He vanishes for two years and he comes back, grabs Amy in her nighty, and, um, and you have then have the shot of the bedroom that she's left behind. And she's left all of her little models of the doctor <laughs> out like they're out on the dressing table they're like everywhere they're on every surface and it's like honey this is this is two years oh, two okay. years of past girl yeah but that kind of leads us into i guess it's not really high or low it's just as we were saying earlier the doctor is a very complex character i think as a kid i was always like he's good he fights for good and he, he's da, 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 da. but he consistently is like messing with people's childhoods and creating all this trauma and being very blasé about it like as we spoke about in human nature and family of blood recently at the end with joan redford he, he doesn't have much care for how no. she feels about her you know dead husband he's like you're partner. pretty you'll do let's go let's go and again with amy it's like he's caused all this trauma he never apologized he's just like i'm a bit lonely come with me please also exactly his true intentions really for taking her away are that she interests him mm-hmm. it's not well it's not even her that interests him it's, it's the crack it's her situ it's the crack it's, <laughs> it's her situation that interests him mm. it's like oh an enigma wrapped in a skirt that's just a bit too, too tight. tight once again right yeah. it's a little like pre clara oh nothing in your life makes sense you're impossible oh ooh. Mm. and she like asks him she flat out says like why me like why do you want me to come with and he basically just says like oh, i'm I, i'm lonely and i and it'd be nice to have some company but he really like we see him walk past the tardis screen and he's had a picture of the crack up obviously having looked it up he was looking up the crack he was looking at pictures of the crack and he had to hide the pictures of the crack so that amy didn't see uh so we know there's this like sort of second motive and i feel like i'm not really sure if it's a stephen moffat writing thing or just a general choice for the 11th doctor but with both of his major companions on screen with clara and amy both of them are women that somehow have a problem that he will like get something from solving like he will feel good about figuring them out and trying to work it out and that and that kind of leaves a bit of a gross taste in the mouth he doesn't seem to relieve a problem for them also there's a amy says no to coming and he's like ah never mind it'll change your mind in a minute and then step of the fingers in your pop and off we go and mm-hmm. i don't yeah and then later on when he's responsible spoilers <laughs> later on when he's responsible for killing them both mm. doesn't he say something eventually about like oh it's you know not really their fault i offer them kind of yeah he's, i offer them pandora's box and it's like how, how could they say how no? could they say no and 
there's like an acknowledgement that he knows he's manipulating people into coming with him because they could never refuse, even though he knows it'll probably finish them off. Yeah. And then guess what he does? He goes, seeks out Clara Oswald because he's already met her twice. And both times she's died. Both times she's died. And he's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to find one this more. Other one. one more. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Another one bites the dust. <laughs> <laughs> horrible doctor oh, horrible what, what, man what was something you liked about this episode Alice? what's something i liked about this very negative so far this was actually a great episode matt smith was excellent so a lot riding on his performance um he i think like i say i think he really grew into the doctor i don't like his series five doctor as much as i like his series 70. six seven doctor because later on he brings in a bit more of the kind of he brings him that interesting duality of mm. I'm very old, I'm very wise, and yet I'm very childlike and I'm very eccentric. But in this one, there's a bit of a, almost like a, just a, a kind of attempt at quirkiness, like someone who really loves like indie music. Like He just made his Tumblr account. He's so Tumblr. I mean, this is also just a case of the fact that they're all crafting a new Doctor, you know, with costuming and acting. and It was still a great performance. Like, he had to be distinct to David Tennant, who'd been the face of the show for so long. Mm. Still be recognisably the Doctor because so many people adored David's performance mm. and put his own stamp on it at the same time. It was written in a way that David could have picked up as well. There were a lot of times, and I think... I, I, I'm going to kind of give this benefit of the doubt and say that it's not that they're just trying to write the same character. It's that when the Doctor's freshly regenerated, they often are like still figuring out who they are and they've still got a bit of the last one left. So he says things like wibbly wobbly timey wimey and a lot of like David Tennant things. And I think that that's good that they did this in the episode because he then doesn't do that throughout his series. Like it doesn't end with Geronimo. Like they're really trying to like push his own thing. Yeah. And I feel like they like paid homage and like nodded to what had come before but this very much was like a soft reboot of the show and i think matt smith really like dove into it head first and from the get-go 100 percent full throttle he very much owns being the doctor from this episode i like later on when he takes on more of this like duality of like being able to do the darkness being able to do the childlike kind of silliness it's the quality i've said every doctor needs you need to be able to do the childlike silliness do the humor very well mm -hmm. and you need to be able to do the darker bits and the rage and the angry parts very well as well i think he does both those very well um and something changes as well with the way he speaks later on which kind of makes sense mm -hmm. from a story perspective and that this doctor lives a long time as well yeah um a lot older than kind of david Tennant's doctor survives what seven years <laughs> something and this one lasts about five six hundred or something should we go for another easy high? Soundtrack. Soundtrack again. Very good. Something is something's happening. Something cool is happening. Something epic is mm -hmm. happening. Music in series five. Um, Murray Gold went needlessly hard on I'm the Doctor. It, cultural reset. The world was never the same. That's how you get the mood up. Yeah. I've seen so many people on TikTok and Twitter and Instagram, whatever, say that to them, I hear this a lot, especially with American audiences, I Am The Doctor is as recognisable as the Doctor Who theme tune to them. Like, you know. There was a brief part, now I could have remembered this wrong, but I think in the 12th Doctor's era where they used I Am The Doctor as the coming soon music for like Ooh. next week's, like... Doo -doo 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 -doo. I can see that, yeah. I think that's just how, um, how ingrained that music became it was played all the time there's a million billion variations of it there are whole youtube compilations that are like an hour long mm -hmm. of just different versions across like two series yeah. of i'm the doctor and it's an hour 
of mm-hmm. different versions of just that little motif and they're all gorgeous yeah. it's such a beautiful piece of music not even just that one track but there were so many times during this episode where Alice would turn to me and be like did you hear that they're going do 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 it's in the background did you hear it and, I, hear, and I'm like I'm like it? yes sweetie I heard it yeah there was, there was a bit like um when the TARDIS first crashes when Amy's kind of going up to investigate it and there are like some soft piano keys playing and i'm pretty sure you get a little like twinkling of the old doctor's theme mm. a little nod to the past before we go into the a future. little nod to the past nod to the past i love karen gillen as amy pond i think that amy pond is a fantastic companion i think that it was an amazing way i know obviously she'd been acting and modeling and everything before that but it was, was such an amazing way for wider audiences to really see how talented she is and, but point being karen gillen is hugely talented and deserves all the accolades that she gets however i had kind of forgotten how she was introduced in this episode one thing that i didn't realize that alice had missed in previous viewings is that before she lets the doctor know that she is amelia when she's just pretending to be the policeman she's doing an english accent to kind of like throw the doctor off of the fact that she's not the same little scottish girl despite the fact that they clearly are like a ginger scottish woman living in the same house um and that was really fun what the hell is a kissogram we did have the really um, funny line from Mrs. Mildrew from One Foot in the Grave where she's like, are you a policeman now? I thought you were a nurse and sometimes a nun. And the name is like, oh, I dabble. <laughs> like, that was funny. But um, yeah, I, I, the whole kissogram thing, I feel like was a bit of a miss for me. I don't know what they were like, trying to do story-wise with her being that. Obviously, it's like, it's never brought up again, mm. ever. Um, I- well, they were in the first Christmas special in A Christmas Carol. She's wearing the policeman outfit oh, again for is. the honeymoon. And she they're like, is. are you a policeman? And she's like, it's my honeymoon. <laughs> like- yeah, and he's wearing the centurion outfit. Yeah. It's, it's just a bit of fun. I, yeah, I guess they were trying to do some like kind of like lost innocence thing. Like, oh, she was kind of this like little girl, yeah. and now she's she's gone off yeah. the rails. Like, she was a kid, and you messed her up, and, and now, me- she, now, now look, look what she's doing. Now look what you done. I, I didn't really realize until this rewatch just how dated to 2010 this is at times. It is where the, where Rory is trying to show his boss the photos, and she's like, "Why are you handing me your phone?" He's like, "It's a camera too. It's a camera too." <laughs> and then the doctor sees everyone taking photos of the attractive, and he's like, "Oh, it, it was always." Is gonna go this way down the barrel of a camera phone. Knowing <laughs> that a video phone. Oh my god! Yeah, a video, a video phone, phone. A video phone, and it's like ooh. a distinct device. Yeah. Speaking of what looks dated, this episode I think they really brought up the standard um, in terms of cameras. Mm-hmm. They're finally filming in crisp HD. Crisp. Um, and and the colors popping. Mm-hmm. It looks great. They take some really interesting like camera angles and stuff. Like <laughs> super interesting. I'm not sure if I love the Sherlock s kind of camera shutter effect they do when they're kind of like whizzing around the pond oh yeah no i didn't like that it's just very shallow there's like a wait i've missed something and then it zooms into his eye and it's like like they'll stop before sherlock it was wasn't it it was around the same time that sherlock kicked off god knows why he did both at the same time or how it looks great yeah no it really does look great i think that the actual camera quality is good but also like i was saying they take some interesting shots like they do a really nice mix of close-ups some of them are, some of them are very close but they do a nice bit of close-ups like the realization shot when he realizes that um the sonic screwdriver has been moved on the table they do like a quick zoom into his face they try things with that Sherlock shot and i do think that they they really, try they, listen they try new they're, things they're trying new things they're experimenting yeah and i think and that, that is actually what the show is all about 
yeah, this was a real reinvention and a real sort of soft reboot for the show. And I think that they needed to try and differentiate themselves in some way. They Because I hear a lot of stories about what this series would have been if David Tennant had decided to stay on for an extra series after Russell had left. And that would just be so strange to me to see a Doctor who we all know and is pre-established. Do you, do you know this story about what David Tennant Yeah, had yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard yeah. that story, yeah. I mean, for any audience members that haven't heard it, it's in a million places, so I'll quickly touch on it. But David Tennant wasn't sure whether or not he was going to leave at the same time as Russell's. So they sort of penned what they would do if David Tennant decided to stay and the series would have opened in the same way with a dying Doctor and a damaged TARDIS. He would have left and then come back, but it would have been a younger version of the 10th Doctor. He meets Amy as an adult and then he's kind of like living his life with her as a companion, heading towards ending his life with her as a child. Which would have been weird, but I can't Super imagine. Weird. I wonder, yeah, visually what else would they've changed? It would be so weird to see. It's a bit like when a new showrunner comes, but it's the same cast. It's just weird. Because this feels like, we've said this, but a completely new show. It feels so departed from 2005. If you put mm. RTD's Rose and this episode side by side, they they look completely different. Leaps and bounds. And it's only five years apart, which is wild. Because at this point, you look back at Rose, it looks like almost like a product of the early noughties. Mm -hmm. And this looks like it's done a lot later. Yeah. Um, I think it just had a lot more money. Like you probably could have had similar things with Rose, but they did not have the budget behind it. Yeah. So I I mean, on the one hand, I don't know. I don't mean to talk two minds about it really, because I know a lot of people start to drop off at this time. And I think part of that is just like people grow up, right? And they're attached to their doctor. And there was Mm. just a point where Doctor Who just was such an intense cultural phenomenon around that time. Yeah. Which, you know, Rusty Davies calls like Doctor Who mania. And it was. Mm -hmm. And it has remained super popular since then. You know, like after this point, Doctor Who really went global. Well, that was what I was going to say. In the same breath, I think a lot of the people who love Russell's era, some of them had dropped off. But then I think this era really brought in international audiences. Doctor Who's always had an international audience, but specifically like BBC America. Series five going into series six was really where they were pushing for an American audience. Remember, they would always go to Comic Cons and things like that. And it was very much when it was like the Doctor, Amy, Rory, River, those four. That was when it like really solidified that bringing in team. an audience that was the team but again tumblr years yeah and it's like the show is all about change moving forward it it picks up that baton and it hits the ground running it it's positive that it does all that i wondered is it too different too quick arguably but i don't think that it would have worked as well if they had tried to half ass it in the way that if they had tried to make it like halfway between what russell's is and what Stephen wanted to do i think it would have like been a bit of a mess whereas i think if you're gonna make it a soft reboot and make it different do that from the off set the tone i think it, like we said they did have enough nods to what had gone before and what like david Tennant had done that continuing viewers were like okay this is still the same doctor this is still the same show little things like he used the old sonic for most of the episode we did see the interior of the old tardis at the mm-hmm. beginning but they really did say fuck you to the era before and they just blew that tardis up they blew the tardis up they boy up. how did you feel about the tardis sam i hate it i really I don't, like don't i don't like this tardis i don't like how Those gentle copper tones i don't like how blue the outside of it is that's a personal thing i'll let Ooh. that slide it's very the outside is i get that it's a new tardis like it's just been like it looks too up. clean it's way too clean it's way too new on the outside and the inside i just don't like it's really it's a weird amalgamation of lots of things i don't love that everything on the tardis is like stuff from earth like kitchen taps it's just and, as quirky as he is it's so quirky that's what i think i don't like <laughs> He's misunderstood they were trying to make it a quirky thing and they have like a lemonade tap on the tardis and all i actually really like it by the way i'm taking a piss <laughs> i actually i personally quite like the tardis interior you get loads of really fun energetic shots towards the end like closing in on these bits of the tardis that are all like kind of spinning and whistling and 
buttons and kind of there's that calendar kind of clock that's mm, that i like dialing up towards the end as they take off like i really love all that stuff and i quite i quite like the size of this i like that as well we've got stairs going up to different parts of the tardis it did feel a lot bigger which i liked i was saying i think this is one of the first ones to really have a platform i know that nine and ten's tardis did have like a little bit of like steps on either side whereas this with the tardis felt a lot bigger and i like that it felt less like a sitcom set where you're looking at one half and they never turn the camera to the other side you kind of get to see a little bit more it's kind of like three quarters of the tardis set is done uh, I, so I did like the scale of it, but I, for me, like what I, th I genuinely think my favorite Tardis interior is uh, Series Seven B, and then going into like obviously Peter Capaldi's that mix of like the silver look of classic Who, but with the grandiose scale of like a new Who Tardis. I think those are like my favorite Tardises. Yeah, I think it needed something that could match kind of the way that matt smith wants to characterize it he's very big and physical and he, big and physical <laughs> that made him sound like a gigantic <laughs> but in that he is just this doctor who like sprints around and flaps his arms and whoa, 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 whoa. what's it yeah he is like he's such a whoa, 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 yeah. doctor and like in a way like i guess even like maybe even david Tennant was kind of outgrowing that set a bit and like what mm. he wanted to do with it like that's why there had to be so many bloody like sparks going off all the time is yeah he really wanted to have like a leg up on the console and whack it with a mallet and be running in circles around it and i feel like that suited christopher eccleston really well but actually like maybe he just needed like a bit more space to like yeah. run about and... i think so yeah I, I really liked and i feel like they obviously it's all budget constraints and stuff but i really liked when in the first episode of david Tennant when he went to the wardrobe and we we're like oh my god the tardis is so there's much more than we see there's, there's more, more. There's more. Um, I did like how with this TARDIS, we in later episodes get to see more of the inside of it. But then we also do that with the TARDIS with Clara as well. So You know what we also see at the end is a brand new Sonic. We do, we do. I, I did like that he used the old Sonic for the majority of the episode. And I am a big fan of 9 and 10 Sonic. However, I do love 11 Sonic as well. 11 Sonic is my personal favorite Sonic screwdriver. Really? It is. I like 9 and 10s for nostalgia's sake. Mm. Um, Great toy. Beautiful toy. toy. Beautiful piece. And the 11th Doctor's, ooh, mm, sexy. It's got leather. It's got mm. copper. It's got, it's like, um, yeah, I think the change of color was exciting here as well. It's almost like, it's almost like getting like a new lightsaber. Yeah, I see that. I, I, at the time, I wasn't a huge fan of the green. I've kind of made my peace with that. I love the look of like a classic Sonic, the one that you hold up and it's kind of front Very facing. Very minimal. Very minimal. Very minimal. For me, I think I can't really get over the nostalgia of 9 and 10. That's probably going to be my favorite Sonic forever. Yeah, I, I just love, I love the flick action. Do love the flick action. I, again, matches uh, his characterization so well. Compensating regeneration, it's lottery. Oh, very, 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 good, very, good, very good. I just like the way he like flicks it tilts it reads off a screen he that isn't really there. uses it like in there's no way. screen there's, there's no, no screen, screen no. but he'll look at it like there is one yeah king yeah i just i like it i like all the different modes it can be mm -hmm. in the different ways it's held this was also the first ever episode that showed that at least some of the sonics are grown by the tardis I which i, I love, love the tardis creating it yeah i think it's such a fun detail but i didn't realize this is the first time it ever happened and it's the way it matches the theme every time as well the nine and ten tardis has got that kind of like um cracked material and it matches mm. the console and on this one again like the kind of copper accent matches, matches the console matches the console and as well the um the time rotor that bounced in the middle same shape as yes, the bulb on the end is. with the 13th doctor sonic like it's very organic obviously the interior of her tardis is very like sheffield grown. steel sheffield steel no it's not organic she makes it she no i know it. but it's meant to emulate the look of like an oh organic yeah she thing. has that like, crystal piece yes exactly yes. like it looks like it's a very good i know she makes it but it looks like it's very organic I, I 
I know she makes it. I know she makes I know it. More I know more than episode. you. I know more than you'll ever know about this show. So one thing that I think we need to talk about is because this is a regeneration story is mm-hmm. how they treat Matt Smith's regeneration. Um, I know that Alistair has worded it as regeneration drunkness. Yeah. And I think I, I like it too. I think that's fun. However regeneration doesn't always have to go wrong so i think that there's always going to be confusion and whoa i'm not you know i'm not quite done yet and they're still figuring their like they're still finding their feet and figuring things out but i think that they tried to take too many things from the christmas invasion and put it into this episode where it didn't necessarily belong there so there's that shot of the doctor breathing out the regeneration energy in the same way that david tennant did and the whole reason that he was doing that in the Christmas invasion is because something was going wrong with his generation. Wow. And he had to have the tea and fix that. Whereas he kind of was like, I'm not, I'm not done yet. And it felt like he was doing a lot of what David Tennant did rather than doing his own thing, which I think other doctors might have done. I don't want to say better, but done more distinctly. And I think that it didn't really have anything to do with the plot. Whereas like arguably in the Christmas Mm. invasion, him not the, the regeneration not having worked properly has a lot to do with the plot. Whereas in this, it just felt like it kept happening and they kind of ignored it. And then what well, he got hit on the head with the bat and he was like, oh, that, that was what I needed. I'm, I'm, I'm good now. I'm back. I'm going to disagree with you <gasps> pretty comprehensively. Okay. Which is good. This is the spice because we, we always agree with each other. I think it's time <laughs> we have a disagreement. I feel like this is spiteful, but okay. I think they've done, I mean, regeneration kind of, I mean, I'm sure I'm not the first person to coin this. Regeneration drunkenness, I think it's quite fun because they've done it kind of ever since the Christmas invasion on some level. So he's in this one little, he's not so... Um, I'm kind of classic too. He's not so... Yeah, 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 that's true. He's not so confused here as he is a bit like, ah, my kidneys are not kind of finished <laughs> cooking and it's a bit like, um, I What I like from a story perspective about that is a bit like look at everything i'm doing and doing it against the clock and i'm and i'm not even i'm not even well mm. i'm not even well yeah i have covid19 and i'm still saving the world there you go okay mm. and i'm unvaccinated interesting i'm not but <laughs> <laughs> story wise like yeah. equivalently no, I, I see that I see i'm that. very sick yeah i'm a very sick man mm-hmm. and i'm still doing great and um so but then i think i just enjoy the fun as well like i like um uh, walking into the tree yeah and i think it's just it's always fun i think in their first episode just to dial up the eccentricity just a little bit extra like when mm. jody's first episode she's bloody brilliant there's one bit which said that nap did me the world of good <laughs> and then uh <laughs> i think she'd been knocked out hadn't she? she'd be knocked, yeah and then she she factory uh resets ryan's phone and she's like mm. whoops <laughs> it's just the way she delivers all of that and it's like oh no all my stuff's on there yeah. not anymore <laughs> just like she's just like a little gremlin running around like, she is. and i just i really 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 enjoy when they do that and i just love like that temporary like what's mm. happening where am i well they who had a whole thing with the seventh doctor's generation after he'd regenerated the sixth doctor where he couldn't tell who was who properly so the rani pretended to be mel and she dressed up as mel she wore a ginger wig and the exact same outfit and he was like you're not mel and she's like yes i am i'm mel and he's like oh that's your Mel. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and there's no. like a number of ways you can look at this and it makes sense for the Doctor to have these quite violent and painful and... Um, traumatic. Traumatic. Very good word. Um, but this is also, I guess, meant to be kind of towards the tail end of the regeneration cycle. And, mm. you know, maybe it makes sense that regenerations do get a little crazier. That said, 
in the end of Peter Capaldi's series, Hellbent mm-hmm. Heaven Sent. Spoiler, he goes to Gallifrey and uh, we see that general regenerate mm-hmm. on her 10th into her 11th regeneration, mm-hmm. same one. And she's like, oof. Well then, and she's up and she's fine. Yeah, no, this is the thing. She literally, she, I think she makes a joke where she's like, "Oh, I'm back in my back in my old form." Where like yeah, she that was, was a- that was in it when I was a man. All yeah. that ego, and it was like the one time she'd been a man. Yeah. and uh, and she was like, "That was horrible." Mm. Um, that was really funny, but yeah, I, yeah, she just jumps straight back into the like battle that they're doing. I mean, a lot of people don't like the timeless child plotline. I know, mm-hmm. but story wise, it also makes sense that kind of as the original kind of um regenerator the blueprint the blueprint that the doctor especially if actually indeed they are well beyond 11 lives at this point Mm -hmm. onto some unknown number um that that process would become kind of more volatile as time goes on yeah and that's that's a good explanation as well for like how the character moves at the time where you know in the 60s they were much more like grumpy old man and then later become more like eccentric child and it might just be a case you know where'd you get on down the line the regenerations just get freaky just get crazy get crazy I have a positive to say about the story and I have a negative to say. Mm-hmm. Let me start with a positive. Um, now, what's really interesting, I think, that this series tackles is kind of wouldn't 50 years on TV of the Doctor charging around the universe, doing things, putting things right, leave a huge impact on the universe and create a huge dangerous reputation. And it kind of resolves that as well, because there's a point where the Doctor acknowledges then at the end of Series 6 that they got too big and too noisy and they have to step into the shadows and start wiping themselves from people's data banks and being forgotten again because they're too notorious Mm -hmm. at the end of Series 5. You know, spoilers. They've gone from like being the oncoming storm to being the predator. The predator. And everyone wants them dead, locked away, stuck Mm -hmm. in a Pandorica, even if it costs the universe. Yeah. Because they all despise him. Yeah. And they are willing to do these kind of impossible alliances to box him up. Mm -hmm. Um, I like which that phrase to box him up, bo- literally box him up, yeah. and I just that's really interesting. And so that was a great plotline as well, going into the 50th anniversary. Uh, this only you know three years away sets that up very nicely, and then after that point, you know, tackling the question of you know am I am I actually a good person or not? So I really like how it sets that up, and I like as well that the kind of crack storyline it it kind of encapsulates pretty much his entire three series arc arc within that i find that moffat and it's a very sherlocky thing as well he often in his writing and this is a critique not so much in this episode but more so going forward he it's a bit too clever for what it for his is. own good for his own good too clever for his own good and i think that was a lot of feedback for people that i heard dropping off like people might this was when this era was when i noticed my friends stopped watching and i would talk to them and they'd say it's just gotten a bit complex for me yeah. i don't really follow it i don't really get it and i think it you was couldn't a, miss a week you couldn't miss a week and it rather than what i think russell did well moffat did this well as well at times but rather than what i think russell did really well where they will have little hints towards a finale that if you miss it it won't affect your enjoyment of the finale like the harold saxon or torchwood or bad wolf but then if you are following those you'll get to the finale and be like oh my god we've been leading here the whole series whereas i think that especially with the cracks and silence and things like that and then later the name of the doctor it's kind of a case of oh you weren't paying attention because you missed this big thing and that leads to this and that's connected to this and that's to there and if you're a casual viewer just dipping in and out each week yeah. you should be able to enjoy monster of the week and then go away and come back later whereas a lot of people were like it's just i'm getting confused and i'm not watching russell t davies did very simple threats with very simple resolutions mm. arguably too simple yeah that's so the series one resolution is rose becomes a super god and 
kills them all. Deletes all the Daleks. The series mm-hmm. four resolution is Donna becomes clever, which the Daleks didn't expect, <laughs> and deletes them. <laughs> so <laughs> blows them up. And, and then the series like Spinny. the series five <laughs> resolution is the Doctor flies his prison into the sun, which resets the universe and closes the cracks but he survives it on the other side of the cracks on the other side of the cracks which he comes back through because amy can remember him despite that he never existed the a criticism that's been made this is an original point but this person kind of worded it better than me they said that the thing with moffat is that he doesn't always get that an audience generally enjoys a mystery more if they have the chance to solve it along with the characters. For example, they said, give me a chance to see the hidden door before it's revealed and I'll either get the satisfaction of solving it before Amy does or more likely I can slap myself on the forehead on the rewatch going, it was right there. Either way, you get a nice little dopamine hit. Unfortunately, Moffat seems to have difficulty with the concept, something that comes out a lot less in Doctor Who and a lot more in Sherlock, where Sherlock is constantly finding clues off screen that the audience isn't allowed to know about. I think yeah. also this just I think it's so dense in a 40 minute episode like the the layers baked in here it tries to do so much so fast that that pace is quite overwhelming as well I think I think so I just find that it's difficult to I think series 5 does a better job overall of having one off adventures and two parters that lead towards a finale but even so it was a lot more confusing than what happened before and then as we go down the line into series 6 and series 7 and then obviously into Capaldi it becomes a lot more complex overall. I'd say Capaldi's era is better at this, but just Matt Smith's era in particular, the mysteries and the unraveling and the threads all become quite hard to follow, especially for a casual viewer. So I can see why a lot of people kind of drifted away at this point. I've got one maybe missed opportunity that I only really thought this time when I watched it. I've done, first of all, I'm really sorry for dunking on this episode a lot because Mm -hmm. I really know that people love this episode and... I don't want to like slam it too hard because I know that some people say this is like their top five. <laughs> For me, it's not, but I res- I respect it. <laughs> I get it. I would have said we open with the Doctor kind of crashing over London to follow immediately on from the end of David Tennant's reign. I think we could have cut that out completely, that cold open, yeah. and begin uh, after the titles at Amy's house. As an adult? No. As, as a child, oh, okay. where she is just praying to Santa. Yeah, I can see that. Begin there, because as he's climbing out of the TARDIS, and you have one hand and the other hand, and then there he is, it's mm. the Doctor. That is such a great reveal mm-hmm. of Matt Smith as the Doctor. Mm. Um, and I think in terms of it feeling like a reboot that really like sheds its past, um, you then don't have to nod towards the old TARDIS with even showing the inside of the old TARDIS um though it's a great action sequence and I enjoy it you yeah. could have cut it out it, it's definitely not necessary I really like it I like being helped into seeing this new Doctor and new TARDIS and stuff by having a nod towards the old TARDIS and the old Sonic and you know he's wearing the old clothes I like all of that but you could definitely have cut it out and just open with the cold open however it's then a long while until any act because prisoner zero he doesn't really do anything actiony like he there's no chases or anything the biggest action points i'd say are when amy hits the doctor with a baseball bat which is if you watch it again it's so slow and then when the doctor's like <laughs> so slow duck when he's in the hospital and they duck because this ladder comes about a foot in through the window and they're like <laughs> oh wow like cuz prisoner all he does is stand there and just shout or bark at people so i think yeah. they did need some kind of like 
it was a fun ride. I really did enjoy the episode overall. I enjoyed it a lot more than I did when I first watched it because I wasn't watching it with the immediate nostalgia of the previous series. Um, but it is interesting to watch and compare throughout what is to follow. Not my favourite. A great episode and the start of a really great era of Doctor Who. Alistair. Yeah. Coming off the back of the episode, are you ready for another game of camp or dance? Yeah! Yeah, baby! Yes, baby! I will tell you three things from this episode and I need you to tell me whether or not they are camp or whether they are damp. Are you ready? Bow ties are cool. Camp or damp? Uh, damp. Really? Really quick damp. Um, yeah, it's it, it's that... Um, listen, this is the beginning of... Well, uh, it's at an early stage of Tumblr fandom. Mm. And it's done a lot of damage yeah this era <laughs> and bow ties are cooler is really at the heart of that it was a very like it, 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 for me it's kind of equivalent of like wow like that kind of it's thing. very of that XD. Wow. xd era bow ties are cool mm. falls right into that it's certainly not camp not camp not okay. camp for me not to me not the kissogram here we're not talking about being kissogram but policewoman nurse or actually a nun camp or damp <laughs> I can be a nurse. Uh, camp. <laughs> camp, camp, camp. It's it's Amy's reaction when she goes, I dabble. <laughs> I dabble. Yeah, that's pretty camp. And finally, a quote from good old Prison Zero as spoken by Olivia Coleman. So many mouths. <laughs> so many mouths. So many mouths. Oh, I'm getting it wrong again, aren't I? So many, many mouths. mouths. <laughs> camp. Camp. I mean, ding, Olivia ding, Coleman ding, ding, in this ding. whole episode, camp. I, lo- I love the bit where she's speaking as a kid and she's like, the doctor in the TARDIS doesn't know. Doesn't know. <laughs> doesn't know. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, for me, so many mouths is camp. Oh, so, well, that was camp or damp. Woohoo! Ooh. Have you got any fun facts to hit me with? I do. So, Caitlin Blackwood, who plays young Amy Pond, is actually the real-life cousin of Karen Gillan, yes. who plays Amy as an adult. Now, Karen begged the producers to cast her young cousin, even though they had never actually met her until the read-through. Which is crazy to me, I think. They Nepo like, baby. Ne- <laughs> Nepo baby. I would say Nepo baby, but Karen Gillan wasn't herself a very powerful figure in the industry at this point, so I think it's okay. Yeah, no, I think so too. It's just so funny that they didn't even think of doing like a screen test. They were just like, okay. That'll do. That'll do. She is very um, Karen Gillan-esque. Yeah. Oh, she does a really good like young Amy. I'm glad yeah. she comes back. No, later. she's a great young Amy. She doesn't look identical to no. how I might think she'd look though. No, exactly. But I can see the resemblance and I think that it is good they have that. I really like we get the payoff later in the series where Amy meets Amelia. And I think that that like kind of chemistry there really shows. I agree. I agree. One fact I have is that the Doctor's new companion had originally been penciled to be called Lucy Sparrow, but was later changed to be Amy Pond. <laughs> Lucy Sparrow it's, is so Doctor Who. It's just too close to Sally Sparrow. Everyone would have been like, oh my God, sister confirmed. Like, <laughs> Probably would have been. The Lucy, Scottish cousin. Lucy Sparrow, Amy Pond. Ruby, River Song. Ruby, Ruby Sunday, River Song. Oh my God, it's dreadful. I think <laughs> Doctor Who names are so fanfic. And then you get like Rory Williams. Yeah, Rory Williams. I think his dad's know. called like Arthur Williams or something like that. It's yeah. so funny. Um, Stephen Moffat, when writing this story, originally debated having it set in native Scotland for Amy. He ultimately decided on keeping in England, but he ultimately decided on keeping in England with the notion of keeping Amelia as an unconventional girl. You know, I didn't realise right away, probably on first watch, that this wasn't Scotland. Mm. And 
I got it this time in that they're in. I've got many actual town. It's not real, is it? Uh, yeah, they're in Ledworth. It's they said it's like half an hour from Gloucester. Or from something. Gloucester, yeah, yeah. But I don't think of Amy and Roy as from Gloucester. No, me neither. I mean, I, I think they then later moved to London when they're in the Blue House. They do. And the doctor they buys do. Them. Yeah. So when which becomes no, a model, very few people do. <laughs> very few people <laughs> get property in London. Buy a property in London, but it was a gift, wasn't it, from the doctor? Yeah. No, he I truly know. was doing the impossible. Yeah, he really was. And one final fact, and I believe this won't be a fun fact to everyone. I think we all know this: that the fish fingers and custard were in fact not really fish fingers and custard. Uh, they were cakes breaded in coconut that Matt Smith ate when he was using the fish fingers. You know, I would have found that pretty gross, breaded in coconut. I would have been... I don't like coconut like that. I would have rather had the fish fingers with a savoury component. You... you know what? You could make a roux and then dye it with turmeric to look like I a custard. roux. I, it's just, I what love, I just, I just, that was so chef of you. You could yeah. make a roux. I'm like, what the fuck is <laughs> a roux? Keep this in. If anyone here has listened to that clip of Elizabeth Edwards going, what the fuck is a wage? <laughs> That's how you said that. But you could actually, you could make, yeah, fish fingers with some kind of savory, like creamy, like dip, basically. Yeah, that would have been nice. But you also have to think, like, he's eating this over and over for every single take. So how much can That's he eat? That's so much coconut. That's so much coconut. It's too much for me. I struggle with the coconut. No, I can't. I'm not, I'm not a fan of a coconut. I pretend to be allergic. <laughs> What an admission. <laughs> yeah. Well. Whale. Whale. Well, on that note. On that note. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Hula La. Hula La. Hula La. As always, we would love to keep the conversation going. So please reach out to us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, all of which are at Hula La Pod. You can also rewatch our old episodes on our YouTube channel, also at Hula La Pod. Uh, and if you have a moment, we'd be very grateful for your review. 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 <laughs> if you don't mind heading to Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you get your podcasts and leaving us a review, we'd be so, so, so grateful. We do check those and we are always deeply touched and flattered by everything you say when it's nice. It, yeah, when it's nice, we love it. Uh, it also actually really, really helps with promoting the podcast. So if you have a second, we would very much appreciate it. So until next time, we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.